Hi, and welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Business Talk Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, and I am really excited to have Anita Nygaard, who is president and founder of Core HR Incorporated, as our guest. Hi, Anita. Hi, Rick. Thanks so much for having me here this morning. Uh, you're welcome. Let's get into it. You've been in business for seven years and nine months. That's right. Right. What was your what was your what were you thinking about? Well, what was your motivation to start your business seven plus years ago? Well, I have to tell you, Rick, I have to be honest. That's a constant topic between myself and my therapist. But <laughs> moving right along. Yes, I've been in business for seven years. Let's talk a little bit about how I got to where I am now. Uh, I've actually been a human resources professional for over 25 years. And I chose this career. I didn't just fall into human resources. I chose it consciously mm -hmm. after having completed an undergraduate degree at Cornell University in industrial and labor relations. Whereas most of my cohorts were going on to law school, uh, I chose instead to choose the uh, interventionist path. I wanted to prevent unnecessary litigation in the workplace that I felt was rampant. Uh, I worked as a paralegal for a few years after school. It reconfirmed that I wanted to be the interventionist, and I pursued a master's degree in HR and organization development. After that, the first half of my career was spent in-house with very large global employers, including Siemens. That's where I learned how HR looks when it is done right. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean to an organization when HR is done right? I saw firsthand the power of HR, how you directly influence the success of the organization by developing effective leaders. I was hooked. I was on the right path for sure. This is where I wanted to continue my focus, and it was my passion, no question. So during this time of my in-house career, uh, I accepted progressive responsibilities and rose through the ranks up to senior management. At that level, you begin to travel quite a bit. I made good use of my time talking to employees and managers at all levels. I wanted to know what employees wanted more of from their employer and what managers feared most about doing their role successfully. Through this combined knowledge, I became active as a senior internal business consultant I oversaw an HR call center focused on how to improve the overall employment experience and was chosen to participate in a global task force through Siemens to help define and continue to redefine each successive year how to become the best version of ourselves. Rick, this was exciting and challenging work, uh, but the travel requirements, <laughs> needless to say, left little room for me to have much of a personal life. Uh, when I did marry and my husband and I had our first child in 2004, I decided that it was time for me to make a change. Mm -hmm. I loved that internal consultant role and I decided I wanted to take a look at what it would be like to be an external consultant, outside consultant, and bring that expert guidance and advice to small businesses that couldn't afford to have someone on their payroll full time at a hefty salary. So I joined a large consulting firm so that I could further that interest and work with entrepreneurs on a fractional basis. I was there for three years. 
I really enjoyed working with the entrepreneurs and finding out why they got into business and where they were headed and helping them on their journey. Um, unfortunately, through my experience, I also learned that there was a focus by my employer, a growing emphasis on responding to a larger volume of clientele and spending less time with each individual client. In my opinion and in my experience, this compromised the quality and the depth of the relationship, and I grew more disheartened over time. So instead of throwing out the baby with the dirty bathwater, I looked around for a boutique HR consulting firm and found one in Southern Cal, where I spent the next six years of my career. I helped to grow the advisory clientele side of the business and really enjoyed working with those entrepreneurs in a more in-depth manner. Now, over these six years, the employment landscape in California became much more complex. Uh, we only continue to become more complex over time. The founder of the firm that I was working with became more fearful over this period of time. He felt that there was more risk involved in providing uh, ongoing guidance to businesses. Uh, the, my, the landscape was just wrought with mines. And it felt dangerous to him. So even though my initial charter was to grow the advisory side of the business, uh, he ended up wanting to focus more on defined scope, short-term project engagements. We discussed partnership, but the truth was that we didn't agree on the future vision. And it was clear to me that it just didn't make good sense to continue on. So where was I, what was I going to do next? Well, Let's consider by that time, I had over 20 years of experience as an HR professional. I had just spent the past six years building a successful business for someone else. Mm -hmm. I had a really good idea about the types of clients I clicked with best and how we could best work together. So why not start my own business? My husband agreed. And it was in February 2014 that I officially opened my own consulting firm, started with just five clients and kept adding more each month. A year later, I hired my first employee and a few months after that, my second. And as they say, the rest is history. Oh, that's a that's an interesting evolution because life was moving you closer and closer to what you do now, right? And you were that's consciously... Right sort of moving in that direction or maybe subconsciously moving in that direction. But um, that's a that's a great story of entrepreneurial evolution. So that that thank you for sharing that with us, Anita. I'm wondering, it sounds like you had early success because you were able to hire people. You know, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. When did you inside truly believe that your core business was going to succeed like you you figured it out and it you could begin to depend on it for future earnings yeah uh, that, that's a really fair question because you know when when you do start out on your own stint it, there's a very low safety net right <laughs> you're working off your own savings yeah. uh, it, it's not as though goldman sachs was backing me right right <laughs> And so it was the Nygaard household <laughs> that still needed to function. Um, I had very good faith that I could build a successful business because I had just been doing that um, 
for the boutique HR consulting firm where I was working. Um, uh, and so I had five clients to start with. I was also part, very active uh, member in a professional advisory network of trusted advisors. Um, and it, it's through my affiliation with this network that I knew I was currently sharing clients with other, with employment law attorneys, with CPAs, uh, with uh, high caliber um, insurance brokers. And I, I just kept spreading the word that I was looking to build my business. I also had a really good focus on the types of clients that I worked with best. And that happens to be in the professional services realm. Why professional services? Because that's the area where I worked very closely with my clientele when I was in-house in HR, working with engineers, software development, even laboratories and research scientists. So I knew, I knew the mind of that type of business. I understood what it took to be su successful. And I also appreciated that it's very difficult to recruit that talent and you're looking for it globally. You're not just looking for it in the backyard. We don't have the luxury uh, of doing that. So with my combined experience through the years and the network that I had worked so carefully to build over the years as well, I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. I kept providing as, as much advice as I could to the network that fed me and together we made it happen. That's awesome. It's uh, I love the one foot in front of the other. That's uh, that probably resonates with other entrepreneurs, especially early stage entrepreneurs. If you can remember back, if you're not an early stage now, but you were obviously at one time, that sometimes all you can do is keep doing what you're doing to get through whatever you're going through. Talking about going through something, I, I, you know, I'm sure over your seven years and nine months, your business has faced its share of challenges of course we we all do i'm wondering was there one time that you could share with us when you thought hey this my firm may be at significant risk yes yes absolutely um i'll give you the date <laughs> in fact rick <laughs> april 30th 2018 uh the california supreme court handed down a significant new ruling uh, on the Dynamex case, mm -hmm. uh, the correct pronunciation, I think, I believe is Dynamics case that completely redefined and bucked a 30 year trend of how to define independent contractors. Uh, it was the, the cherry on top was it was retroactive and later became codified as AB5. Um, and you may be familiar with the ABC, the famous ABC test. Yes. Well, we didn't see this coming. I don't think any business saw this coming. And it, this was a huge ouch. It impacted overnight every single business that had 1099 and independent contractor relationships, including my own. So at that point in time, I knew I had to press the pause button, circle the wagons, get together with my closest circle of advisors, including employment attorneys I had known and shared clients with for years and other HR professionals that were strategic colleagues of mine. We had to figure this out, find the path forward and understand how we were going to redesign our own businesses and how we were going to advise our clientele. 
on theirs as well. Um, because of this change, and at that time, I was holding a leadership post at the uh, professional networking organization that I had been a member of, and I had been a leader there for five years, I had to step down from that leadership role so that I could devote my focus to understanding this issue better and making sure that I was limiting the risk for my clients and finding the path forward for my business as well. So um, nothing like building the airplane while flying it, mm -hmm. of course. Then we went through the same thing in 2020 with uh, the pandemic. We had brand new laws coming down, didn't see them coming. And we had to, once again, regroup and build the airplane while we were flying it. So it, as, I, as I like to say, and, and as I've heard other people say in the past, um, after X amount of years in business, I became an overnight success. And there's never a truer word was said. So I've, I've been in business over seven years. And let me tell you, a lot of sleepless nights. Going into business for yourself is the best weight loss diet you'll ever have. <laughs> <laughs> but after, after a lot of toil, trouble, but a lot of lessons learned, you too, after many years, can become an overnight success. Yeah, that, that is so true because um, having spent a bulk of my career, 20-some years in the corporate world, one of the major differences, there's a lot of them between that and being an entrepreneur, is that um, no matter how far you've gotten your business as an entrepreneur, there can be moments when you really go back significantly and takes that energy and determination to figure out how do I rebuild it now, given the new realities of, of, the, of the marketplace or the legislative laws that are out there that impact us. And that was a very powerful story that you had. You know, I, I, I wanted you on the show to talk about your entrepreneurial journey, Anita, but I also I'm fascinated about the work that you do. And, and so I'm, I'm going to ask you, why do you believe most business leaders are stuck in the weeds, you know, focused on day to day operations rather than concentrating on the future of their businesses? Mm hmm. That's a great question. And, and that really goes to the core of how we work with clients at Core HR. Um, let's face it, as a business owner, it is far too easy to get sucked into the day-to-day -day demands right. and lose focus on the future direction. Of course, this is going to be especially true if you haven't taken the time to define the direction of the business. Um, many folks that go into business are good at what they do. They're not necessarily good or skilled or experienced at running or growing a business. And so uh, you need to be honest and acknowledge that and surround yourself with advisors, um, including HR advisors, who can help you be the best version of yourself. Um, so when we work with clients, we often find they haven't defined a vision or mission for the business. They may be very good at articulating, whether on their website or through social media, about how they serve their clients, but they're not necessarily skilled in defining the vision or mission of the business. They may or may, may, or may not have defined values that uh, comprise their work culture. Um, 
but we find that they often overlook defining even objectives three to five years out. And that's not a very long future time frame to look at. And without having this defined overarching target in the distance, day-to-day life can start to lack purpose and meaning. And who's going to feel that the most? Your employees, the very valued talent that helps to comprise the secret sauce that you bring to the marketplace in your competitive edge. How can department heads identify goals that contribute to the success of the business if they don't know where the business is headed? How can managers explain to employees how their jobs are important to the business without these defined objectives? Um, Consider that most of the worker population today are millennials. These folks as a generation want to have a meaningful work experience defined on their terms as being meaningful and values-based. It's part of their self-identity. They need to know how their contribution makes a difference. They want to be appropriately challenged and they want to have the opportunity to develop themselves. So if, if you're in business for yourself and you want to stay in business and be competitive, You need to accept the responsibility to educate your employees on how that role contributes to the success of the business. What is the purpose of the role and why is it important to the organization? And you need to illustrate how employees can develop over time. Where can they go from here? Mm -hmm. If you don't do this, you are taking a big risk that you will not be able to attract or retain the very talent that you need to survive. Um, Rick, I'll point out that earlier this year, We experienced the great resignation where 11.5 million employees quit. They voted with their feet and most of them went to another employer. Um, Why? They didn't feel valued by their employer. They didn't see the meaning of continuing to do their job. Um, And still today, we have a backlog of cargo ships in the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach because we don't have enough dock workers to do the unloading. This impacts all sorts of business and as well consumers, right? The pain is real. Uh, It impacts every business and leaders need to take note and take action. You know, as as, uh, I was listening to, I was was thinking about in one of the groups that I lead, we studied the Eisenhower matrix, which has been popularized by a lot of uh, other people but it's basically the four box quadrant that has the urgent and important as the two axes and understanding where the leaders that I work with, the CEOs and business owners, where are you spending your time? And, and the reality is that a great deal of their time is spent on the important but urgent side of that four box quadrant because it's a client, it's an issue for the business, it's something that has a deadline when in fact they need to also be spending a significant amount of time on the not urgent, but important. And that's kind of what I hear you you talking about because there's certain things that only the CEO and leader can do. And I found during COVID that even a three-year long-term perspective got really pulled into like a year, especially in the beginning because it was a survival thing, right? So I'm wondering right. if, if that was your experience of, you know, go back a year when mm-hmm. COVID was really just kind of, burning up in the country here and people's focus became much more short-term than I had experienced in working with them since I started in 2007. Oh, sure. Yeah. The, the first, the first flood of questions that we received 
coming in from our clients, even strategic partners uh, who, who I've shared clients with. The very first question was, is this constitutional? Can the government tell me that I need to shutter my business for an undefined period of time and part ways with my employees because of a flu virus? Right. That was the right. very first wave of questions right. that came in. Yeah. And so, you know, thinking now, now thinking three years, five years out, it's really critical because it's hard in a smaller business to think that far out because of the, uh, the nature of the, the business owner being so close to the day-to-day -day operations of the business, right. but just navigating some sense for where you want your business to go. It's interesting to me because I work with business owners who are thinking about exiting their business at some point too. And when I ask them, usually the answer I get is when do you think you want to exit? Many times I get five years. That seems to be like a, a good number. It's it's short enough that it's reasonable, but it's so long away that I really have to do a lot to be ready for it. When in fact, right. if, if it does take, and, and advisors in that space tell me that, you know, that's kind of the minimum to really get your business ready to sell for the maximum value. You need about five years because you need financial reports and trailing. You need to demonstrate the business model. Um, you need to get started now if you want your business to be ready to be sold in the future. My opinion is you should always have your business in sellable, ready condition. It's kind of like just a good practice to have. Right. Well, I, I would agree with that. Um, so is the question, am, am, it, what's my future vision? Am I part of the five year out? Type yeah, of yeah. So we got a few minutes left. What is the vision for you <laughs> with Core HR? Where are you, where are you going to take it over the next yes. three to five years? Well, we're really excited about expanding our footprint more so outside of California going forward. And mm. this began during the pandemic, where we began to um, we began to note that our strategic partners were moving out of California. Uh, for, for a variety of reasons, to be closer to family, it became more difficult to be distant from family. Um, it's all, it was also possible to pursue uh, a lower cost of living and better quality of life out of state, and in some cases, escape wildfires, sorry to say. Um, so as this started to change the landscape, our clientele uh, our clients' businesses, they were also looking to expand out of state as well. There are more favorable laws for employers outside of California. So um, we had long been working with multi-state clients, and we're very happy to continue to work with a greater amount of clientele, even focused outside of and based outside of California going forward. Currently, I have a team member who moved to the East Coast in July. And I have a second team member who's planning to move to another state in the West in the next few months. So even at Core HR, our team will be multi-state. Yeah, you, you talked about the realities of people relocating. And I've seen that in our business network, too. Some people have had to move closer to aging parents because right. they, they just needed to be there for either permanently or for a while until they can come back. Because it's hard to leave Southern California, Anita, for other parts of, in my my experience, other parts of the United States, especially after you've lived here for a prolonged period of time. I you didn't know, say I was planning to leave Southern California, Rick, but I'm happy to travel, happy to travel to the other locations as needed. Great. Um, so how would someone learn more about Core HR or connect with you, Anita? What would be the right way to do that? 
Well, I want to point out that uh, they're more than happy to reach out to me on LinkedIn. And our website is corehr.com, C-O-R-H-R.com. Uh, we also have, uh, we are based in Southern California and Orange County. And our general office number is 949-363-0084. They can also send me an email, anita at corehr.com. So happy to connect. Well, thank you for being a friend of the program, giving a little bit of your time to the business talk show today. And, you know, I've just enjoyed getting to know you better and hearing more about your vision for the future and the, your path to where you are today. So thanks, Anita. Oh, Rick, I appreciate the opportunity. I had so much fun with you today. Thank you. We'll have to do it again sometime. I'd love to. Okay. I'd like to thank Gottlieb Brackman Reisman PC proudly supporting this edition of the Critical Mass Business Talk Show. GRR provides legal advice and guidance on all aspects of intellectual property law, including patents, trademarks, copyrights. If you'd like to learn more about GRR, then visit their website. It is grr.com. And I hope you've enjoyed today's show and our interactions with Anita here on the program. And I hope that all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. Mm -hmm.